Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are stepping on the heels of Philly sports talk radio like Matthew Kachuk. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> I've been compared to many uh, Chucks. This is the first time I'm being compared to a Kachuk. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, one of my favorite. I don't want to call him an NHL troll, but I mean, he's damn close to it. Uh, the Kachuk brothers have a, a meaner streak to their game than their father did, or at least a dirtier streak to their game than their father did. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. I'm talking hockey. I can just go for like Dave and Gene. You can shut up and I can just talk for the next 50 minutes if you like. I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And this is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter alive and well at Mr. <laughs> Gene. And uh, yeah. I'm, what I'm really hoping for is that I can go out more and get one of those Brian Boucher boxes and just um, anywhere I go, I can just set up and just be in the middle of things and uh, have people ask me my opinion while I'm in some sort of, well, I'm like the, the man in the box. If I see one more <laughs> hokey uh, Allison Chains reference, though, I, th- I think I might scream. <laughs> well brian boucher and allison chains go together close in my heart you know those were the the best parts of the 90s i'm waiting for a commentator just to have the claustrophobic attack of like hey uh, doc and eddie the walls are closing in on me pierre you can do this i feel like i'm suffocating doc <laughs> you know i mean that would be I'm like mildly claustrophobic, but looking at that, it's just like, oh, good. You people can watch you die. Like, if the, if if the ratings are slipping, when does Joe Rogan show up and fill it with snakes? <laughs> like, that is all that box is missing. Do Do you remember that time when we were driving back from Boston and we were somewhere, I believe, in either Connecticut or uh, that long stretch of New York State? And I turned to you and I said. Uh, Chuck, uh, how long are we going to be in this tunnel? And you said, hey, man, there ain't nothing but flat ground between us and the next state. I think you should probably pull over and let me drive. <laughs> yeah, that for, for those that are the uninitiated, we, uh, we went. It was just one day there and back, drove up for a Red Sox game and turned around and drove back home uh, to the greater Philadelphia area. So that's about, I don't know. 15 hours driving in one day to see a three-hour baseball game is pretty impressive. <laughs> and what song got us through? Was it, like, Fastball's The Way? That was one of <laughs> those. The, it was the Proclaimers, man. It was the Proclaimers, man. That uh, literally <laughs> saved our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I will do All that right. one anytime, every time. All right, we got – we have two sports returning to action this week. Uh, in hockey and basketball, we had we have one sport stopping action this week uh, in baseball for the Phillies, and and we have some some union coverage to get to. Uh, so let, let's get right into it. And we got to start with the Flyers because you know if everyone's been paying attention this weekend, we had a we had a disappointing start from the Phillies last week, uh, going one and two in the three games that they played against the lowly Marlins um before getting shut down not by their own doing for an entire week we have the sixers who have a a very disappointing uh beginning to their season uh on saturday so i really 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 needed a lift from the fly guys today and man did they deliver 
Oh, I was so relieved. I was so relieved. Like, there was so much talk going into this postseason playoffs, qualifying round, round robin, whatever you want to call this amalgamation of a off you know postseason that the NHL is having that the Flyers were like one of the two hottest teams the other one being Boston going into the break and how they are tailor-made for this tournament and I agreed on paper I 100% agreed but it's been a four-month layoff and this Flyers team has a lot of young players and I I don't want to say I didn't have faith, but I wasn't willing to bet the house that they were going to come back and not miss a beat. And for about eight minutes of this game, they they were a little bit behind, and we'll get into more of the game later, but for the majority of that game, they look like the Flyers that we remembered from March. But we don't and, know. What, what is this? Like with, with the NBA and the NHL, Like we don't know who has the edge coming out of a four or five month shutdown. Is it a veteran? Is it uh, a younger guy? Is it, uh, does it, does it depend on your home life situation? Is it depend on your personality? Are you a disciplined person? Like we don't know who has the edge in these situations. No clue. There are way too many variables. Um, I put out a, I put out a prediction on Twitter just to put out a prediction. Cause I kind of feel like you know, I'm a hockey guy. I'm Potadelphia. I should make my playoff picks, but honestly, there are just there are too many unknown things. Let's take a look at um, a couple of the other games. It's been wall to wall hockey. I've been so happy. Um, this is the happiest I've been since about March twelfth or whenever the world went to hell. Um, but the let's look at the Oilers game. And all right, you know, we have Chicago versus the Oilers is one of the ones I felt most comfortable saying, yeah, there, there's not going to be much of an upset here. You have Kane, you have Taze, you have a lot, uh, you have Crawford with Chicago and go, hey, these guys are veterans. You know, they don't need much ramping up time for the playoffs. They should be able to show up and play. But the Edmonton team has couple of the brightest stars in the league with McDavid and Dreisaitl and you have Darnell Nurse on the back end you have you have talent there you have a lot of talent there and I figured you know that talent is just going to win out what I didn't imagine was Mike Smith would forget how to play goal you know <laughs> he just he was a sieve and you know who knows maybe he comes back the next game strong maybe he doesn't you know, those little bits of timing you can't predict. You can't predict. Think of the beginning of any given season, any sport. I know hockey best, so we'll use that as an example. But, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, I think it was this season. If not this season, it was last. They got off to a hot start. It was like, yep, this is going to be the season. Buffalo finally makes the playoffs. They didn't. The playoffs were expanded to 24 teams. They still didn't make it. You know, a couple seasons back, the Devils had an incredible start, and barely whimpered into the playoffs. This really comes down to who can have a hot start. And there was no guarantee, still isn't, to be honest, but there's no guarantee that the Flyers would pick up where they left off. Well, that's why it's so it's such a huge advantage to be in, in the round-robin situation versus the play-in, playoff yeah. position. Because, you know, if... 
Boston or whoever, you know, so it takes a while to get the, I don't know, the gears lubricated or whatever to get the machine rolling, you know, okay. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to lose a little seating, which the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to play, you know, a, a team either earlier than you would have, or, you know, a slightly more difficult matchup. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to beat good teams anyway in the playoffs. Yeah. There's no home field advantage or home ice advantage anymore. So really, what's the difference? Yeah, and that's especially true with Boston and Tampa because think back to it in the before time, the long ago. Um, <laughs> before the was, world has moved on. Yes. <laughs> they were doing divisional playoffs. Yeah. So the second round, let's say Boston and Tampa move on. You know who they're playing in the second round? Each other. other. They were yeah. the number one. And I'm okay with that. I didn't hate divisional playoffs. But so here they're gonna it's gonna work out better for them, probably no matter what. Or, or the same. At the very worst, it's gonna be the same. Um and but they seem like the penguins who yeah. look like they're starting slow. Yeah, Crosby's hurt or something. Yeah, it's the penguins I was worried about because they had that veteran core and i thought okay they don't need to maybe ramp up and they have a lot of time to recover from injury and i don't know what's going on with crosby that's going to be a refrain here we're not going to know who has what injury just because they're not allowed to tell us but crosby but they all have covid right chuck they all have, all have covid um we got regis right <laughs> is it no, or is it no, related? no. I mean, it could be heart failure. Heart failure. Rest in peace, Reach. Notre Dame still sucks, but um, <laughs> but the, the Penguins losing to Montreal, not just Carey Price. I think I mentioned on this show of, hey, you get Carey Price starting hot, and there he steals you a five-game series. Well, game one is stolen, and it's not just Carey Price doing it. The Penguins lose one more, and they're in a real tough position. So, you know, if they were Boston, you have three games. They These games can be as meaningful or as meaningless as you make them, but you have time to get up to speed, and the worst-case scenario is you, you drop a few positions in the standings. Do you do you think that really right. in this in this scenario, this four team round robin, really it's the Flyers can can benefit, and all of the other teams can just not benefit. You know what I mean? Like I really honestly feel like the Flyers are the only team that can get any true benefit out of this system, other than not having to play against a team that's playing for its life. You know, it's always somewhat dangerous to have to play in an early round. Uh, and I think even would be even more dangerous now, especially if you look at kind of Boston with the way they're kind of beat up coming into this. Um, you know, it, I wouldn't want to play a team that in a five-game series that's backed up against a corner because they, they aren't going to have anything to, root, to lose. You may see them yeah. in an early game run at one of your stars. Who knows? Who knows? But if but, you're the top two seeds, you're like, why the fuck are we doing this? And that's exactly like, it. Like the Flyers can move up three seeds. The, the Caps can move up two. Tampa can move up one, and Boston can only lose ground. Right. Yeah. I feel like th when when this whole thing was discussed, um, you know, the Flyers 
group was probably like, where do we sign up? And everybody else was like, this is <laughs> this is fucking stupid. Like, we, you know, the only reason they probably ended up agreeing to it was because they realized that their their players are going to need some sort of a ramp up to play. But the tiebreaker in this round, Robin, is pretty huge. Yes. Yes. But, I, I mean, like, you come into a position here just, you know, you're only having to play three games total. And if you can get two points right out of the gate, um, you put yourself in a really good position, especially for the Flyers, to not end up to, – to gain some ground just by putting up two points. They're going to gain ground. They're gonna they're not going to wind up as the four seed. Well, well let's talk about that. I, I did some numbers. But um, before we do that um, – you're right, Gene, but you're talking that you only have to play three games. You only get to play three games as well. If you look at the other, the qualifying uh, matches, the intensity compared to the the Flyers game and the Avs-Blues game, way up. It's might not be at normal playoff levels, but it was a lot higher. Man, that um, Carolina-New York game, you know, there was what two goals in a fight <laughs> no a goal in a fight within like five minutes oh, i was glorious um but but you have to try to get up to that same speed as your opponent if they're playing playoff hockey for a week and you just had preseason games you're going to get your doors blown off you know look at look at tampa last year so giving them something to fight for even if it's something they already had like um, the the Bruins already had number one overall, but now they can fight to maintain it. It's some incentive for the game to be competitive. And I'd say the Flyers Bruins game today had definitely regular season intensity, maybe not so much in the first five minutes, maybe not so much in the last five minutes, but the rest of the game, I think was regular season intensity, maybe even a little more. Um, but let's talk about the Flyers and what this win gets them. And the answer is, unfortunately, not very much. So the tiebreaker in all these scenarios is your regular season standings. So for the the only way the Flyers can get number one overall is to either win out or go two and one with their one loss happening in overtime. If they go two and one and lose in regulation, the best possible scenario is for, is second. Um, the worst possible scenario is fourth. So let's say the Flyers go two and one and um, the Capitals go two and one. The Bolts go um, one and two, both losses in overtime. Actually, it can't be the Bruins. So let's say the Bruins go two and one. Bolts go one and two with both losses in overtime. The Capital goes Capitals go one and two with both losses in overtime. Everybody's got four points and the Flyers finish last. So that's unlikely, but it can happen. So it's it's gonna be tough for them to take the top seed. If they get two wins, most likely lowest they finish is third. Okay. And and that that goes exactly to what we said. Like we can't lose any ground, right? I, I, only, I would still sign up for that. Gain, we we put a, a a huge step in the right direction with a regular a regulation win against mm. the number one seed. So what? So now what, what are we looking for out of the Caps, Tampa Bay game? Just like a overtime game? 
No, we, no overtime. No, we want no overtime. We want we want the Capitals to win in regulation. That would be probably the rooting interest. Yeah, it would. Uh, we match up better against the Capitals um, than we do against Tampa, although we haven't played Tampa. We, we played them close, but we haven't played them recently. Um, I we think match I was actually better at against... the last Tampa game. I think it was a one nothing defeat like in February. I, I think so. I, I think we actually talked about it in the show as well. Um, Gene had like a naked guy in the stands. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There was... They were check the archives, people. Let us know what happened. Um, but yeah, if Tampa loses and Philly beats the Capitals, well, everyone's got one loss, and you know we have two wins. So you know that's gonna be really good for us. That's gonna be really good for us, and we do match up well against uh, the Capitals. I really want to see the Flyers take it to them. So, uh, uh, Washington, Tampa Bay. When is that game tomorrow night? Uh, I believe so. We don't play Capitals until Thursday. So these games are, are spread apart. Um, yeah, but so it'll probably be tomorrow and then with some days off. We're listening to, um, when people are listening, it's going to be Monday. Monday, okay. Um, I think right. the game is off. So Carter Hart is just like a stone-cold killer, man. He is. He is. You know, and... I watched some highlights right before um, we got um, on this call to you know, do this show. And, um, uh, sorry, Capitals Lightning, 4 o'clock, Monday the 3rd. So if you're listening to this um, and it's around that time, turn it on, watch it, uh, root for the Capitals. Uh-huh. Um, but I I left the game thinking, you know, he, he struggled and struggled, take with a huge grain of salt. He... He seemed a little unsure early, but then came back to just be cold, you know, calm, cool, collected Carter Hart and, you know, make those hard saves look simple. And then I saw on Twitter, like, and even quotes after the game, like, he was locked in the whole time, never, not not a beat of sweat. I'm like, maybe I was imagining this. Maybe I was. And I wasn't. Early on, he had a really awkward pass to Hag uh, along the boards, which he just sort of, and Bush even commented on, he just sort of threw into the corner and had Hag have to kind of retrieve it. Off of an early shot, he sort of double-clutched on it, and there was a shot, I think from Charlie McAvoy, that he sort of swallowed up but trickled through his elbow. None of these went in. None of these were really high danger. But it's not Carter Hart as prime. The, these weren't the really super efficient goaltender that he is. And I was worried. Eh, lowercase w worried. I was concerned. I'm like, uh, is this a bit of nerves? Is this a bit of the learning curve we've seen in the past? And that was a steep curve, man. That <laughs> That was a steep curve because... About 10 minutes into the game, it was like a regular season game versus Detroit for uh, for Carter Hart. He was in the right place. He was hugging the, uh, the rails. He was hugging the post terrifically. He did those subtle adjustments so that as opposed to going post to post, he's in the right position to make the save. Carter Hart really found his game 
in the game. And I think it's even better than him coming in calm. If he came in and looked perfect from the drop of the puck, that would be like, okay, maybe he doesn't recognize the intensity of it, or maybe this is just a good game. But I loved seeing him just a little off. Not not bad. Not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It would have been a great game out of Martin Biron. Those first 10 minutes would have been like, okay, yeah, Marty's having a good game tonight. But out of Carter Hart, it looked a little shaky. And to see him gain his composure and to be that, you know, ice water in the veins, Carter Hart, that really, it got me psyched. Just far more than starting the game hot, finding his game in a playoff situation, in a weird situation, um, where the, the, the intensity has been on Boston's side to start, that made me so encouraged. That made me so hyped for, for this playoff run. Um, and then kind of the, the, the offense here, you know, you got goals from Raffle, Lawton, Myers and Thompson. So it's like, not, you know, it's not the usual suspects here. That's gotta be encouraging too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and hopefully Raffle's okay because he, I've been thinking about him a lot the last couple of days, uh, uh, Jason Martinez uh, did an interview with him on the Flyers daily, um, either Friday or Saturday or whatever. And, you know, talking about his fight to make the roster for the playoffs. And I was happy to see him there for starting day. He's been a really great utility player for the Flyers over the years. And he had a, a slashing penalty early. And then from that point on, he was just, he was Johnny on the spot. I think he had a goal and an assist. Um, and that fourth line was just creating opportunities. And that really speaks to the depth of the Flyers. And the, these are the stories you te- you hear. Like on the Devils run, uh, I forget what they called their last, their fourth line, but it was some sort of gritty line name and their fourth line really carried them to a Stanley cup because the top three had to be game plan for, they had to be taken out and the fourth line just run rampant here. Our top two lines are really killer. Third line has JVR and um, uh, other people on it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy. Oh, uh, Albe Kubel. And, now, the fourth line, it's just such a really competent line. You know, guys you can play in your bottom nine, all on your fourth line, they're going to be a threat. They're going to be a threat. So it, it is telling if the top line is being shut out or the top line is shutting down their top line, which Couturier did a marvelous job of today. You have this back end production to come in. Wait, Abe yeah. Kubel's on the third line now. Yes. Oh, so they're not. It's not the Deuce Caboose anymore. No, <laughs> I forgot about that. No. <laughs> yeah, we we have JVR, um, Grant, who Lord help me, like Grant and Thompson. It was like they joined the team and then the plague hit and it's like fuck who are those new guys? Right, right, right. Yeah, they had they had um, just come on and and both of them I think had individually had 
games there in that last couple of weeks that sort of was like, oh, these might be actual, genuinely helpful pickups here. Yeah. And it was nice and... to see them kind of, uh, you know, flash again. Yeah, no, great point, Gene. It's uh, Chuck Fletcher did a really good job of supplementing the lineup, and you know, you know, if if Raffles out, who comes in to replace him? Therabee, and that's a great depth. You know, we we were you know pissed that Therabee left the lineup until Grant and Thompson came in, and it was like, oh yeah, they really they really shore up the did bottom. The, did the NHL allow for any sort of roster expansion? Yes. Um, okay. Don't don't ask me the exact rules. Okay, I think fine. it's I think it's thirty players and as many goalies as you like. Oh really? Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. Because watching this, I'm. I've been perfect for the Flyers last season. I know. Yeah, we're all <laughs> goalies. <laughs> we have thirty-seven goalies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask you about that because I was as I was watching the game today, and I kind of was thinking about it. If if, if people went down and thinking about, you know, this is going to be a long. Uh, kind of a, a long stretch for the playoffs and how intense this is going to be, especially sort of the, with the idea that they're all in the same place. Not that they're going to be socializing with each other, but I think, <laughs> I think traveling has a tendency to put like, um, to like put water on the, on a, on a bit of a, a fire in a, sometimes in a, in a, in a, a two games, you know, two intense games. And then you, you have a couple of days to travel. It can kind of cool things. Um, I feel like in these, you know, once we get into the actual playoffs, you might see the intensity sort of stay hot for the whole, whole series. So you might see a chippy series get real ugly. And I was thinking it, it would probably be important at the very least to be able to carry like four or five goalies. Um, you, you would hope that you wouldn't get down that deep, but I could just see the need for that sort of thing. And certainly having to have, you know, I was wondering if there's like an AHL bubble someplace else in Canada that's just waiting to be, you know, transmused or transported across some sort of like safe zone that, you know, the, the Ottawa safe zone or something that they were able to, to get players in and out without having to actually keep them all in Toronto. Well, it's making me wonder what, what is the situation of the NHL bubble? Are they all living in like a giant hotel? They are, and you can find out about this. Um, the NHL has a lot of great resources as to what actually is going on, and it's a little creepy. Um, but five teams are in Hotel X, which is the actual name of the hotel, and not just like a mysterious, unnamed oh, hotel. Right. Um, hotel X features the top four seeds and the Penguins. So you have the Bruins, the Flyers, the Capitals, the Pens, and Tampa, all I'm in one hotel. Like, and I'm thinking about this with the NBA, too. It's like, you know, you stop down for a bagel at the Continental Breakfast, and, you know, you're you're in line next to, you know, a guy that you've had had issues with on the ice the night before, and you're in, a, in like, game five of a playoff series. Like, this could be, like, a great, like, real-world opportunity. True <laughs> the the real world like ringtone true story <laughs> um but no it's you know sydney crosby's great line i don't like him i don't like him um you know imagine a flyers penguins series you know series tied three games to three you know going into game seven and there's Giroux in line to get breakfast after crosby like that's not going to be pretty 
You know, they, Crosby probably seems like the type of guy that like intentionally wouldn't use the uh, the Pam spray on the waffle iron. <laughs> <laughs> and it basically just ruin it for the entire morning. It's like, oh fuck, there's a waffle stuck in this thing. <laughs> it's like the Flyers are two hours late to practice because their breakfast is all fucked up. Uh, <laughs> and Crosby's like, you expect me to make my own waffle? <laughs> <laughs> yes, those egotistical Canadians. What a great stereotype! <laughs> but um, um, but they actually have some behind-the-scenes things in the bubble. All the other ones are saying at the oh, I can't remember the name. It's the Grand something or the Grand York, um, which you can catch a bus from there uh, or a trolley from there to the uh, the airport. I recommend it if you're staying in Toronto. Um, and they have a behind the scenes thing where they have like streets fenced off in Toronto. And if they want to get from one area of the bubble to another, like the fence is open so that they can pass, the plebes are kept out, and you know, they can go to their bar or restaurant all inside the bubble. So hopefully it works. You know. I mean, they're making it work in Florida. So the the cases are far lower in Canada than in Florida. So if, if Florida can make it work, hopefully Toronto and Edmonton can make it work too. I mean, really, like if you bubble it, if a bubble is done correctly, it could be anywhere, right? Like it doesn't really matter how. Yeah, yeah, it really could. And it's, I, I think the NHL is doing a great job of it. I really do. I think they're, you know, this was conversation. It's such an easy joke. And here's something that's not my penalty box, but has almost been in my penalty box any number of weeks where it's like, Oh, of course the NHL did this. Of course the NHL did that. Oh, my favorite league is the worst league and they can never do something right. And it's not terribly clever or anything, but people were throwing that around with, Oh, I can't believe the NHL is the league that's getting the bubble. Right. And if you're the people that can't believe that, you haven't been paying attention. Because Gary Bettman is nothing but meticulous. You know, he dot every I, cross every T, dot every lowercase j. He is on the ball. You know, he will kill you with details. You know, the his press conferences drive you batty because every word he says is so measured. So you can say a lot of things about the NHL, but if you say that they're not detail oriented, you haven't been paying attention. Well, especially so this is like in hockey, time to shine. Especially in hockey, you know, if you're that meticulous, you got to take it to the next level because you also need to dot every umlaut. You do, you do. You know. you, every every umlaut. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things that are dotted. Other strange, <laughs> like, other strange punctuation. That's another a- aspect of the of the free breakfast, the umlaut station. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, uh, God, the the German national team was in here, and we're like way backloaded. We didn't have enough for the Swedes. All right, bubble boys, let's bounce to uh, to the other bubble down in uh, the magic, most magical place on earth. And uh, and check in with the NBA because the NBA tipped off this week. Um, what did you think of the NBA opening night? I, uh, I I made sure it was sort of appointment TV because I was of all the yeah. leagues coming back. Uh, maybe outside of the NFL, I was most curious to see how the NBA would 
would handle things. And I think my uh, personal opinion is uh, they the bar in my mind was already set pretty high about how they would uh, how they would respond. I, I had pretty high expectations that they would do something that was classy. And uh, they exceeded my expectations, at least in that very opening, uh, that opening first, uh, you know, yeah, ceremony. Do you want to call it a ceremony? But, you know, how they just did the yeah. anthem and how they um, were uh, – you, you want to say it was it was incredibly counterculture by being – like by being so cultured. I, I, I don't yeah. know how else to put it. I mean, they made a very smart decision – to use uh, a a a very talented musician who composed a maybe the most unique version of the Star Spangled Banner that I've ever heard. Um, that, as you put it, Chuck, uh, you could probably write a thesis on just that, just that variation of the national anthem. Um, and just to see, they had the right, in my opinion, they had the right two teams there, um, and um, it was it was it was fascinating just to watch. And then watch the reaction, and and very honestly, how silly the people who came out against it looked. Uh, you know, the the excuse of or, or the 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 I I you know kneeling in front of the flag is is anti-American uh, has lost so much uh, steam with me at this point. It's lost. It, it's basically uh, a non-response. There there is so little argument at this point uh, to say that you know, kneeling in front of the flag or kneeling for the anthem is anti-American. Uh, to me, not kneeling at this point seems to be more anti-American or more uh, counter-cultured than it is to, um, you know, to be unified with the people who are clearly trying to make a statement that things in this country need to change. Yeah, and it's... I, I think anyone who says kneeling is disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the troops is now willful, uh, willfully, willfully, thank you, ignorant. Um, I thought you were going to say Wilford Brimley. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> I know. I was like, what, what, what did he do to you? Wilford <laughs> Brimley oh, hates so the much. flag. <laughs> and diabetes. Um, oh, God, the poor man died today. Um, but he had a good life. And Cocoon too. What are we complaining about? Um, but no, I think anyone who who makes the argument this is disrespecting the flag, this is disrespecting America, this is disrespecting America's troops, and, and especially if they say that's the the purpose of the gesture, the purpose of kneeling, the purpose of whatever the case may be, is being disingenuous. There's enough information out there saying that this is an act of protest, this is the reason why we do it. And the NBA has always done the these protests best, perhaps because they're most organic, perhaps because I, d I don't know if it tops football, but it's, you know, predominantly Af African-American league. You know, we can get Wait, into hockey. Shit, or Wilford Brimley really did die today? He did, yes. Yeah, dude. I, I was throwing the man Holy under the bus. hell, I didn't know that. Dude, didn't you Do get you your a moment? I mean, no, the, I'm just why would I? It's just strange that I would evoke his name and it, I didn't know. I honestly didn't look know. Us, right. us diabetics. Right. We have to say thanks to Wilford every day. So <laughs> right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like trot on your train of thought there. 
Yeah, no, no. So Dave is disrespecting the troops by uh, by disrespecting uh, Wilford Brimley, who I'm assuming served. I'm putting that out there. Wilford Brimley served because we're just taking stabs in the dark now. But um, so I I was eager to see what would happen, and that I was surprised in the fact that they went so artistic in their gesture that that you know i did say in our group chat i was looking for the right words because i can't remember everything i said and i thought i said it well um but it was a work of art there was a lot of symbolism in that rendition of the national anthem and it ended on a dissonant chord it didn't end pretty there was the, the baby piano the toy piano in there into the hip-hop into it was it was making a really bold statement and not being transparent or obvious in the way it was making it. It was coming from an artist. It was coming as a piece of art. Juxtapose that with the, this went through our marketing team. This went through um, our board of governors that says, we're all gonna hold hands and go, this is unity and we stand for unity and whatever. No, the, this was organic. This was a, uh, a community that was affected by it firsthand. You know, uh, I think I started making this point before we went off on the uh, the Quaker Oats tangent with Wilford Brimley. Um, but the NBA is probably the most African-American league, if not that the NFL. But this is the community directly affected. And this is the community that says, this is us. These are our people. We have the most to say here. So it comes from a, a visceral place from the players and that that opening ceremony, that um, that national anthem was beautiful. It was it was powerful and it was real. And I haven't seen anything like that in any of the other leagues. Um, <clears throat> I think it was very well said by you guys. Uh, the 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 thing that just kind of irks me more than anything else is the, you know, the mouth breathers on Twitter who are just, you know, that rendition of the anthem sucked and I'm done with the NBA at the NBA. Um, you know, it's like, clearly that's not a league that you're a fan of or support or are empathetic with its players or, you know, even give a damn to understand the players and, and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish here. Um, you know that they, that was a huge part of their return to play, um, like parameters was that yeah. they are allowed to have this you know expression and use their power in this league you know as a as a tool um, and and able to express themselves in this message. I thought I thought it was awesome, and you know, I I I I, I deleted my Facebook app today uh off my phone i've just basically had enough it feels good um, doesn't it it feels really good it I, does. I, ju I just had my year anniversary of when i deleted mine and i'm man i i somebody I said to me the other day like hey just look it up on the app i'm like no i refuse to reinstall it just to do whatever yeah. you needed to I do i reflexively went to it a couple times just out of habit for but anyway whatever um it just I, I just feel like most of these people complaining about it are people that don't patronize the NBA or follow it or care about it anyway. So, you know, to the haters, whatever, 
NBA is going to do what it's going to do, and I thought they did it really well. I also think the NBA had the best no fan set. Um, you know, I noticed the NHL didn't do anything to incorporate like fans at home. They they did a few shots on like the jumbotron. Um, most notably after the Bruins scored, all the <laughs> angry were... Flyers fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Didn't definitely slick. It, it's slick. It, it looks great. Um, yeah. it, it looks. It doesn't look like they're trying to recreate the fans in the audience experience. It looks like a like a, a TV set. It looks right. like, like. I would rank them. NBA is one. NHL two. MLS three and baseball four because I, I love a, what the instead NBA of a is doing. Four. I, I like the back the the background with the you know kind of the uh, select fans in virtual seats. Um, yeah, I think their video walls look great and everything. The NHL looks very sleek and clean and like uh, <laughs> compared to like a spaceship. Um, <laughs> MLS is just like look, we have one screen. Uh, you know, we'll we'll just put a random fan on there every once in a while. Baseball looks like uh, like a kid did a, an art project. It's like all different shape cutouts. Some of them have gigantic heads. Some yeah. of them are too small. There's just not enough of them. I, like I don't even know what's going on with baseball. It looks like arts and crafts gone wild uh, out there. Well, so, or, or the other extreme, when you see these vast swaths of like empty seats, it feels like like baseball on the moon or something. It's it's it just seems like desolate when you compare like what you're like. It's such to use like the word of the day. Like it seems very dissonant when you're hearing the roar of a crowd and you're seeing all those empty, empty seats. Seat. It it just like there was something visually that, and having watched more. You know, when I was watching the Phillies, honestly, I, it's, it sort of disappeared because I was much more invested in the game. When I was watching some of like the Dodger games and stuff that have just been on, where I'm less invested in the particular teams that are playing, and I can sort of just take in the atmosphere, um, I've noticed that it's a lot more jarring and dissonant when I when I care less about who I want to win or individual at bats. When I'm just sort of like, yeah, this just feels sort of like baseball on the moon. Like it just, it's distracting. It's kind of like a joke. Like they're putting um, like former players in there. I, I don't know. It's, it's just bizarre. It's like some of you know, you have to cast the friends at like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And it wouldn't bother me nearly as much if the arts and crafts were better. Like maybe it's the over controlling parent in me, but it's like, Oh, all these heads are different sizes. I'm like, all right, let's make them more person sized and like come up with a template of every head is eight inches tall or whatever the case may be, but it's these oversized people. And when there's a dog in there, the dog is oversized and you're just, it's something to catch the eye that isn't the game you're watching. And the only reason I put the NHL above basketball, well, second reason, because I'm a sucker for the NHL. But the, (laughs) the other reason is, the NHL, the NBA's um, sort of like digital fans is actually really well done, but it's occasionally distracting. The nice thing with the NHL is it's a blank slate. It's not distracting. The most distracting is I want baseball. You to focus on the game, and that's <laughs> that's all business today. 
I'm mainline hockey, man. It's beautiful. It's like the Phillies game, though. It's like God bless these first responders that are back there, but the the one woman with the helmet and the aviators, it's like really sticks out. Like it's so distracting. Um, one looks like her friend's sister-in-law. Like I'm like texting people. I'm like, like, like is Rachel behind? That's like a personal thing with you. I, I I'm not really that distracted by that. Well, I mean, well, that's fine, but <laughs> like for me, it's this like huge freaking head that kind of looks like somebody I know, and it's just as bad as when the fanatic was back there. We talked about this last yeah, week. Right, the right, fanatic, right. like, no, we do actually want to watch the game. Like being cutesy is fine, but at the the detriment of the game is not. I think we've avoided it long enough. We actually do need to talk about the Sixers now. Okay. So that was that was miserable. I mean, just absolutely miserable. It's like they are a joyless team now. I like I don't know what happened to this group. Like I used to love watching them and like Embiid was fun and he was like getting under everyone's skin and like Ben was making these like ridiculous passes and it like they were a fun team to watch. Like I don't know what it is. Like so, like all the joy has been sucked out of this team by I, I don't know what either Brett Brown or like they've they're depressed or something. I like I don't know what's going on with them. It's just not fun to watch. It it seems to me in some ways they've sort of started to embody Al Horford's personality. Um you know, sort of the way you see him as sort of like a a a mild-mannered NBA guy, you know, in some ways like they they've taken all of the youthful joy that the Jimmy Butler Sixers sort of had and they've sort of um you know restrained themselves in in some sort of weird way um they definitely had a different energy uh you know when they were the headband bros um it, it just it just seemed like you know when when they transitioned into this year there was I don't know if it was the weight of expectation or what it was but they just seemed and really honestly after Embiid took that that um, that suspension for for fighting it, it seems yeah, the like cat game yeah it seems like that really honestly although the fan base seems sort of energized by seeing him sort of come into his own and maybe have a semi rival and and you know he was at a run there where you felt like every center in the Eastern Conference he had space somewhere in their psychology and it just seems like from from that you know after that point, uh, the front office had moved into Joel's psychology, and God damn, that seems like a lifetime ago, man. We doesn't were like it? Eight, no. Yeah, it just. But we, it, we, you know, we kind of came out of the gate. We looked like we were going to be really, really, really hard to beat, and then it just seems like things just never really quite. I mean, we were the worst road team probably in NBA history for a team that's going to make the playoffs. I, I, I just you would just knew they had almost no chance to win outside well, of Philadelphia. Embiid looked great for coming off of a calf injury, which, you know, is kind of upsetting to have four months off. And then your first game back, you're on a minutes restriction because of a calf injury. Um, Tobias Harris looks great. Um, Tobias Harris looked really good to me. Maybe. Yeah. He's kind of like taking on the, the Sixers uh, leadership role, you know, for the black lives movement. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's kind of like carrying over, uh, to team leadership, which is great because, well, we're going to be with Tobias Harris for a few more years now yeah. for a lot of money. So right. if he's going to be doing this, that's that's great. Right. 
Um, outside of that, the 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 Shake Milton experiment was a colossal failure, unmitigated and disaster. I, I don't know whose fault it is, um, but boy, there was a this dominated Sixers talk uh, for the last month or so, right. and to see it come out like this. It was just poor execution. Oh, and- everybody was convinced this was the route to the championship with Shake moving to the point guard and, and Ben being able to play uh, down low. And, you know, if, if if the first quarter of this game was any indication, uh, Shake Milton shouldn't be on the basketball court. Well, no plan survives first contact with the enemy, but this thing got obliterated within minutes it, i it, think it, after it the first seem quarter, like a plan this, this plan was just abandoned that was the problem was it It really didn't seem like a plan and and you know when you have joel and, and shake basically yelling at each other you know off off you know in, in a break you you can see that it feels like they ne- they didn't practice this or, or they they were were so off as far as their communication was concerned that this was going to be just it just was never going to go anywhere but yeah, really, well, if I'm playing word association, and someone says to me, "Brett Brown," uh, the first word out of my mouth is going to be turnover. Yeah, because this just it does not change. It never changes. It's the same story. It doesn't even matter who the players are. It's the same crap over and over again. I mean, the, all these unforced turn. You basically tripled their output, the Pacers' output in rebounds. And you gave that all back with turnovers. Right. It's unconscionable. Like, you'll just never win by doing that. And the Sixers shot a fairly high percentage from the field as well. Like, the reason they lost the game is because they they gave them way more free possessions than they should have. There just was no reason for the Pacers to have had the ball and be able to score as much as they did considering how well they shot from the floor and and how many rebounds they had it just doesn't make any sense and when indeed leaves the game it's a disaster right no they i think uh i think they they are they were like a minus 17 or something when he was off the, the floor the, yeah but and the horford thing, was a minus 26 on his own i know it's not like the world's greatest stat but 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 it does tell you something when it's that dramatic i think um but the real story. i think the real yeah. takeaway from this game was how are you if you're watching this game in the first quarter from home and can see clearly there's a player on the other team that's causing a problem. How do you get to the fourth quarter? And not only is he still a problem, but he is the player that sinks a wide open shot basically to beat you. Now I know that that shot was basically from Jacksonville and when you're hot, you're hot. But the fact that he had nobody within probably 10 feet of him and he has already dropped 48 points on you and nobody is bothering to guard him. Why wasn't uh, there a player whose whole job for the fourth quarter was literally to sit in his pocket? I I just don't understand how maybe were they playing some sort of strange zone there at the end of the game, which makes no sense whatsoever. But for the first time, really, absolutely, I I think that the the coin has flipped on me or the the worm has turned, so to speak. And like, I just I, I have no idea what. How much further we can take this Brett Brown thing? Like, uh, he is the rebuild coach. And there, if he is not able to respond in this sort of a situation... Now, I know this game is essentially a regular season game. And I'd like to think that maybe in a playoff situation, he would know who to guard. But you you gave this game away. This, this was bonehead decision-making. 
I'm yeah. I, <clears throat> go ahead, Chuck. Well, I was going to say it's. I, I'm not an expert in this by any stretch of the imagination, but Brett Brown has not proven he can make this this conversion. You know, he we've given him a lot of opportunities to go. Hey, here's here's a competitive team. You know, make them competitive, take them to the next level, and maybe he's maintained or he's managed, but he he hasn't gotten it done. And it doesn't – I have no confidence he's going to get it done. There's nothing that says, hey, this is what we did wrong, and the X, Y, and Z is how we're going to fix it, and then he goes out and does it the next game. Exactly. We're back to we're back to Magic Beans now. Like, yeah. it, are you going to buy the Magic Beans? This is regular season. We're still working stuff out. The worst seed we can get is six anyway. It doesn't really matter. There's no home court. You gonna buy that, or do you think, or is it more likely that this is what the team is? Brett is coaching to the best of his ability. This is the max that he can get out of this group of players, and we shouldn't really expect any different results when the actual playoffs start. Which is kind of where my head's at. Um, I think we're looking at a first round exit, probably against Boston, potentially against the Heat. Um. And I'm not. I'm and I'm not. I'm going to be pissed off uh, every game. I'm, def- I'm definitely going to be pissed off every game, even if they win. I feel like I'm going to be pissed off during the game. I, that's all. I, I mean, that's. It, it, I'm, I'm. I'm just really. And you know, maybe that is what will finally sort of rattle the cage enough to to have some sort of a a shift. I, I don't know that I'm in a place where I'm ready to 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 scrap. Joel and Ben on the same team. I know that no, that's they a, deserve they deserve to have a, a different coach for at least one year together. Be, because I I just don't think that there's any way possible because the person they're going to move is Ben that you're not going to be able to acquire. No, I don't think so. You think they move Joel? Who's going to have the longer? I don't. Career. I don't want them to move either. I, I don't think want them to move either. Yeah. Either it can work. It just needs a different. And, and they need to invest in a, a you know a true point guard not something wrong with the energy there yes, there yeah. there's an energy there's a bad energy around the team i could yeah, feel what was like, what was the biggest thing jimmy butler brought like he's a great player and he was taking that last shot but jimmy butler brought a certain energy to the sixers and man did they feed off of it it was when i turn on the flyers i feel a certain way when i turn on the sixers i feel a different way and it's it is really truly for lack of a better term it is 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 swagger and it's confidence watching the flyers today to a certain degree that was a team that played confidently if you watch the way the forwards sort of play defense that's a team that that believes in themselves they took calculated risk the, the the sixers do not believe in themselves no it's it's the it's the the problem i think is around the 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 the, the effort and the 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 intel the game the game intelligence it's just the sloppiness of the sixers play takes my energy away if you're if you're fighting you know, as hard, you know, if you're playing as hard as you can, you're fighting, and you 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 just it's max effort all the time, and you're doing all these things, and you're fighting for loose. But you know, it, it's just a different. It feels different than what I'm seeing. There, I think I don't know if it's a level of entitlement, or they think that they're better than their competition, or 
whatever it is. I think the Sixers have a better chance playing against a team like Boston or Milwaukee than they will playing a team like the Pacers or um, you know some other uh, you know middle of the middle of the road team. Well, I think they probably you know, and I know when I first turned on the game yesterday, I looked at, at the first possession in the half court and was like, my God, they the Sixers looked like giants compared to these guys. Indiana had run out a, a lineup that literally looked like every player was a foot taller or a, four, a, a foot smaller than the, their counterpart on the Sixers. It, it literally looked like they were towering. Over, and there's probably a certain vibe that you get. It's like, well, I've, you know, I'm playing basketball, and I've got the one thing you can't teach. I've got tall. Um, and, <laughs> but it, it just goes to show you that the one thing the Pacers did very, very well was they, they didn't give the ball up unnecessarily. They just they played – Clean, they had clean possessions. Even look, here's the first four games for the Sixers, right? You have the Pacers, you have the Spurs uh, tomorrow night at eight o'clock. You have the Wizards on Wednesday and the Magic on Friday. You should win all four of those games. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, you want, you'd think you'd want the team playing well going into the. I mean, you think if you're, you know, I mean, it's, your, it's only your job. Um, and I thought the fans, the lack of fans, would have a positive impact on Ben. Like, kind of like, uh, all right, there's no pressure here. I'm not. There's no going to be any booze. Uh, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And I thought it was going to have a negative impact on Joel, who feeds off of that type of thing. But nope, that's just the way it is. I mean, like Joel played great. Ben doesn't shoot. It's the same, 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 same. Nothing changed. You know, Brett, you have four months to clean this up. Didn't happen. I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. I don't know what to say. Let's get um let's get some more positive vibes. Like uh like Jimmy Lynam. <laughs> oh, I think Jimmy Lynam's here right now. Oh, there he goes. Oh, welcome Jimmy. Oh, pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> it's <laughs> Yeah, he had he had this the the chin strap beard going, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter make a like an Amish reference, but to me, he definitely looked more leprechaun. Yeah, no, the chin strap beard and the wispiness of it, you know, and the the very you know thin gray and the the grizzled face, and no, 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 he all all he was missing was. You know the clay pipe and the shillelagh in one hand. And... I mean, he had the, he even had like the twinkle. In yeah, his yeah. He was so excited for basketball <laughs> to be back. And sometimes on those long shots across the studio, because everybody's social distancing, you really got that whole Hobbit vibe. You know the way that that uh, Peter Jackson did in in Lord of the Rings. So you sort of kind of saw that you know Denise was really towering over him. You know. <laughs> Sorry, before I just had to recognize the the best thing about that Sixers game. So <laughs> that might have been the best thing about the Sixers yeah. game. Um, all right. So uh, the the union, you guys ready to dupe a little bit? So I mean, are we? Oh, far, man. Are we far so enough close into, on that game? Are we? Are, are we, we what? Are we far, close enough or far enough along in the tournament that? The, the union are not going to play in any have any games that may cross over uh, from one day to the next. Um, yeah, I think all the games are at eight o'clock now. Okay, good, good. Uh, yeah. I have to say that the, one of the few other games I've watched in the tournament was that uh, Orlando 
uh, upset. And uh, hell yeah, man. Like, I'm really feeling like the union kind of have, you know, at, at, you know, had you told me in, you know, the beginning of the tournament that, you know, they were going to make the semifinal, I would think that was probably going to be about the ceiling uh, looking across the whole, you know, field. But, you know, I think Vegas may have them close to the top odds of, of winning this whole whole tournament yeah. now. Yeah, well, I mean, let's – yeah, so the, the, the Sixers play, uh, played uh, uh, Sporting KC uh, this week in the quarterfinal, and I, I believe Vegas had Sporting KC as the number two ranked team to win the tournament. Uh, Sporting was definitely favored in that game uh, to win, and – Philly just mopped the floor with them. I mean, it was just speed counter rushes. I mean, there were some mistakes there uh, by Sporting KC. And, and Andre Blake pl- played great again. I, yeah. Continues to play great. Best best keeper in the tournament. Um, and it's just, it's just an exciting team to watch. And now that LAFC has been eliminated, um, I mean, the Union are uh, pro- – yeah, they, I think they are the favorite now to, to win. Um yeah. I think that was the the best union game I've seen in the tournament. Maybe maybe their first game. I think their their first game they, they looked solid, but the the last couple it's been Blake bailing them out. That one was you know from whistle to whistle the the union blew the doors off them and they're getting plus 280. And I heard those odds in the pregame. I'm like I'm like Blake's good for half of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, am I really going to throw down <laughs> some money on soccer? And I came damn close. <laughs> uh, well, it was the first game that they had a multi-goal lead. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was we'll see. I mean, they, they seem to be doing well. I mean, I, I'm excited for the, the game against the Timbers. I believe that's Thursday or Wednesday. Uh, I'll, we get, I'll take, we get, we'll, look, we'll take a look at that. Um, you know, I mean, the Timbers are good, uh, but there's no reason we can't win that game and, and, and find ourselves in the final. I know we were all looking for a, a NYCFC to take uh, to, to advance so we can continue this rivalry. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, hey, we got to watch out for Orlando. So we might see Orlando again. Right. It's funny yeah. that three teams from our 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 little grouping made it as far as they did i mean you know two, half of our bracket is still is still playing so yeah half of our group is still playing yeah so that's, it's pretty that's... cool the union play the timbers on the fifth so that's a uh, wednesday i believe that's wednesday at eight o'clock. Okay. that's going to be the may, might be like the marquee game of the tournament uh, it's 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 going to be a great game uh i love the this whole neutral site sort of vibe i feel like there is definitely some major major home field advantages uh in mls i think a lot of the west coast teams have deep uh home field advantages and um being able to play these teams on a neutral site um has been i think you're seeing that you know these eastern teams uh you know on on a neutral site can 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 run with with these squads and and you know when you're not dealing with time zones and heavy travel schedules and 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 loud fan bases you you sort of see that you know the 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 there's a lot more parity maybe in the MLS than uh people might have imagined well and i think i think the northeast um i don't know i have this perception that the soccer will so- soccer will struggle more in the northeast 
than other areas of the country. Well, but I maybe think, that's a mistake. I also think that it's uh, there's a lot more can, competition and probably deeper rooted fan bases in other sports in the Northeast than when you get out to Portland, Oregon, who have the Trailblazers, but you know they're right. they're they're not tied to NFL franchises or Major League Baseball franchises, maybe in the same way that you know New York fans are or Philadelphia. You know the, the yeah. so the Timbers have a guy who uh, he's like a lumberjack, and they have a victory log, and when they win, he slices a uh, like a like a like a slice of the tree off as the victory uh, log slice for that game. So do you have to get a new tree every year, or has this just been one long? It depends how much they win, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe they're, like, cutting down the majestic evergreens. Like, (laughs) you know, we're the Timbers, Portland's team dedicated to deforestation. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a very – I mean, I watch a lot of Portlandia. It doesn't seem on brand for Portland to be be anti, like, you know, farm to table. I I just don't really get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so maybe maybe it's the portland compost yeah you know, the portland backyard compost is is yeah. what they're really going for but uh, even even a city like seattle which is you know same region as portland but larger and has more professional teams um the seattle sounders had a huge following i mean still do i imagine but you know, they have professional baseball, they have professional football, they had professional basketball, and are getting hockey. And one of the concerns with bringing the NHL team there was, you know what, the Sounders have a huge following. You know, that was a legitimate concern having to deal with uh, the MLS team, which as popular as the union are here, they're nobody's concern. You know, I, well, I love the them. Other... <laughs> like, Soccer and hockey are connected because they are both the current hipster sports. And that, I, I, that's a very hipster area that, you know, that those are the sports that are embraced by that mindset. So you, so you listen to your Decemberists, you, yeah. you have your organic lunch, and then you, you go watch some soccer and hockey. And hockey, yeah. Sounds fucking lovely to me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That just speaks to you. I get it. You don't want to be worrying about these like football fans and stuff. They're crazy. You know. You to... I, I guess my my the real question is uh, if the union were to um, continue on their run, I mean, is there a way to celebrate them as a team? Is this what does this qualify as a a celebratory sort no. of a championship, or is it just no. like a nice thing? No, this is not an MLS championship. This is a tournament. A cup. Yeah, they, they get a they yeah. get a trophy. We get our first trophy in our trophy case. Um, we get a piece of hardware, so to speak. I think they do a U.S. Open every year, and that's the other tournament that we seem to be uh, pretty successful at, although we've never won. But it is not an MLS we've, championship. We've, we've been to it's two not. finals of that tournament. Yeah, I I think we've lost them both to Seattle at home. I think <laughs> so. You know, it. I I think I think it's great. I'd be really happy for Jim Curtin. I know a lot of these players are getting looked at by international clubs, like you know Aronson, a Aronson, <laughs> um, and then hopefully you know the union can sell them for a decent price and 
Well, England's going to need a new cap. England's going to need a new Captain America. Did you see what happened in the FA Cup? No, I haven't a Pulisic. I heard. Oh, he, I heard. he had a devastating. I believe it's a. It's either a leg or a thigh injury, but it's. It was serious. Oh, he was. God. He was. He was taken off. Um, I don't know that they have any any sense of how long he's going to be out, but, um, you know that hurts that that team. He is a major major piece of that squad. Um, that's sad. He was doing really great. Yeah, and I mean, like to do it like in an FA final, um, you know, it's not like a, a game you're going to miss. I mean, that's a that's a major piece of their of their of their season. Even you know, that's a way for them to. to get uh, it was a hamstring out. injury. Okay. So. Hopefully, it's not long. It it looked it looked bad. It really did. It it, I was yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Kind of in my mind, it was. Like I I honestly thought just like just a Joe Theismann situation. No, 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 not like that. But I thought it might be like a like a like a tear or you know something in the in the knee that's you know okay more right. like. But well, hamstrings. Speaking about crappy things happening to Americans, do we want to talk about uh, <laughs> who has COVID and what's doing to our sports? Um. Sure. Well, no one on the Phillies. Uh, has it right now, right? Yeah, we had two no two players. Well, right. We had two false pot. They're calling them false positive tests. Um, but uh, sur- amazingly enough, um, the Phillies survive close encounters of the Marlins kind. But here's the thing <laughs> with the with the Phillies. We've gotten to a point with with Phillies baseball where they are canceling games before they schedule them. <laughs> The game Monday was canceled before they officially had even. They're so screwed because of all the stuff that they've mi- missed that it's even hard for them to like pick up schedule wise where they were. They're so. Far I don't know behind. what's going to happen. They're going to play tomorrow night. Are they? Uh, no, no, no. They said I mean, that they were canceled already for tomorrow. Well, they're playing. I, no, the I yet- thought that game was yeah. on. It was supposed to be against New York, and from what I read, like on yesterday, as of yesterday, the Phillies had already been canceled as of. Yeah, but I thought they said it's back on. Well, I guess I mean, maybe half they really... the Cardinals are out with COVID. Yeah, yeah they're mean... like up to eleven now. Yeah, I think I. Eleven hours are... ago, Phillies on track to resume season against the Yankees after coronavirus scare. That's the New York Post. Jake Arrieta ready to face Yankees on three hundred and fifty-seven days rest. <laughs> well, <laughs> seven so hours ago. So maybe he can go four innings with that much rest, and he's the one most likely not to believe in COVID. So <laughs> I, I think I think the stars are aligning there. But when people are listening to this, is there going to be a baseball season? Like they they said, like give us the weekend to see if we can fix this. And in that time, baseball heaven is overrun with coronavirus. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess we're going to see. I, I think everyone really wants to try really, really hard to get this season to get this season in. I mean, they're looking at seven inning games, you know, for double headers. I wouldn't be surprised if they just nix portions of the seasons and go with to go with winning percentage. I mean, it's all janky, lopsided. <laughs> 
who the hell knows catches catch can we're building the plane on the runway we have a team that's playing in a minor league ballpark because we're not allowed in their country yeah, yeah look we'll, we'll install the the cup holders while we're in the air like we don't know what the hell's going on the phillies blue jays game is going to be decided with rock paper scissors over zoom first of all what know? the hell if you're in a money fantasy baseball league like what the hell is this I mean, i'm out yeah, yeah i'm like can i get any money back if you bet like all right let's say you bet on the marlins over under at the beginning of the season like do you and they don't play every game what happens do well and then you, yeah can they they can't even get to the number i need like a DraftKings guy on the show like Seriously. we need to talk about this because this is like we, I, we I, must I, know a degenerate I put money somewhere. on the phillies i get fan likes to just let me know that they gave me money I get emails there once, so they're like, oh, your account increased $10 because they went. So then I bet the $10, and then I I leave again. So I bet on the Phillies, like, hey, let's just go. You know, here's five bucks for the over, uh, for the win total. Whatever happens, happens. If they don't play every game, what happens to my bet? It's probably a push. But I mean, like, if you bet the, the under – like, damn, I'd want my money. It's like one. They have one win. <laughs> one win and two losses. I want my under. They did, they did not win 50. Or they just say, like, hey, look, man, or, you knew it was coronavirus season. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. Don't, I don't know. You knew the risks. Don't, it, look, don't, I'm, very, I'm very concerned about these, like, the Phillies specifically going back to play. They haven't been allowed in their facility. Have these guys been – what have they been doing? You know what I mean? Like, is this is is the first time Bryce Harper's going to see a live pitch since last Sunday? Going to be tomorrow night against the Yankees? Like, this is ridiculous. Well, uh, you talk, know these. And talk about like a team that's now at a disadvantage. I mean, this is now you're going to be playing teams that are have got two weeks worth of uh, live pitching in front of them, and and you're coming off of the last. You haven't even seen a major league team yet this year, and you lost twice to uh, to the squad you did play. <laughs> now I've looked my like a lot of my excitement has gone down because of this it's like you i got all ramped up i got all worked up for baseball you know i got a weekend of it and now it kind of took me out of it so it's going to take me a while to to get back back into the flow and i honestly i don't i don't i don't think it's going to be a great series against the yankees here you know we we've talked a lot about betting this show i'd put money on that series does not get played to fruition really Uh, yeah, I, I just think I, I just think this season is you know, by the time we're here next week, I think the the baseball season is on hold or canceled. Um I was gonna say I wish it weren't the case, but I mean it's probably what they should do. But it's it, it, you have a leaky raft, man, and there is holes all over the place here. I think and the, just because the Phillies hole is currently patched doesn't mean it's like, all right, the Phillies are good. Like, it's it's not the case. Look, if the Phillies are good, bad. everything's good. We're fine. Let's just keep let's keep playing. Let's the, just just do it. Just keep playing. The problem seems to me that what what it what it seems to happen with these things is when the when it breaks out like it goes across the whole whole squad i mean the marlins had like 19 the 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 uh the cardinals have i think 11 as of right now with with possible more to come uh, i i think that we're really one more team 
um, having this sort of a result or having this sort of outbreak to the point where we're like, we, we, well, I we spent, just can't. The math starts to be against you. You know, I spent my, my afternoon yesterday with Dr. Keith Heck and, you know, he's basically saying, you know, look, well, look, these guys are not. They're not distancing in the dugouts. They're not wearing masks. They're giving each other high fives. They're they're in the same locker room. They're not taking the steps to be safe from one another. It's just like, you know, the testing is is great, but it's not it's not foolproof there there's false positives there's false negatives there's delays from when your infection occurs to when you can show up on a test and it's just like it's not foolproof there's a lot of these guys they're all doing a lot of different shit um i mean do do you think that do you buy that what happened was that marlins players before they came to philadelphia went out into in a bar in atlanta and that's probably where the outbreak started what do you mean do i buy that like, do you, is that? It's pretty well confirmed. I just think that that's like it, that seemed to me to be so insane that that a team actually, like that they actually did that that they would think that that would be a, a thing you can do. I, that's why I, I, I it, it literally struck me as like how could this pot like there was no discussion like hey you guys cannot go out into a public bar and drink during the season like it just can't happen. Like I know that I, they're I, not in a bubble, but like come on, like are they that brain dead? Yeah. <laughs> and also think where they're coming from. They, it's not a coincidence that it's the Florida team drinking in Georgia. You know, I mean, I'm hoping they're getting their news from reputable sources. But the the government in both those states are saying, ah, it's overblown. You'll be fine. We're keeping the bars open. We're keeping the beaches open. You know, some far crazier than that of like it's a conspiracy from the north so if you hear this shit for months and it's like ah no we'll go to a bar we won't talk to other people it'll just be us hanging out with one another maybe you think you're okay but like you said like dr keith said and and, um what tim kirchin was on like npr talking about it you know they're not supposed to be giving each other high fives how many like home run celebrations, like you see the occasional cute elbow, but a lot of like high fives, patting each other on the back, no masks in the, the clubhouse, you know, no masks in the, the dugout. I mean, it's it there look, is a look, level of seriousness in the other leagues that the M- MLB is not showing. They, look, they can't bubble up. So here's what you got. You got everyone's got to wear a mask. Everyone's got to wear a mask the whole yeah. game. You got to wear a mask the whole game. And you got, why are you in a dugout? You have an entire stadium. Why are you in a dugout? Figure out how you can put everyone in the stands. Like everyone got their own goddamn section. There's so many empty seats in there. Yeah. What, what, we're all sitting in a bullpen together. Like what, what is that? Like you need to warm up. Then you go to the bullpen. Like this is, I mean, it's crazy. It'd be more interesting visually too. Like, you know, we're, we talked earlier. It's like you have cardboard in the stands. Well, why not have the fucking team in the stands? Yeah. You know, spread out, you know. Sit with your family, it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who else has coronavirus? Uh, uh, our I think boy, Doug. I was going to say at least two NFL coaches That uh, is what I read. 
Dougie P. Who else? Wait, yeah. who was the other coach? I, I didn't. I just saw that it was just the headline I saw was Doug Peterson, the second and, NFL and, coach. And too. Matthew Stafford, right? We got our first quarterback. Yeah, yeah Matthew Stafford has it. Is there any way or COVID back? Is there any way the NFL can successfully have a season? Is there? I mean, it, it seems like it is. They're it is. Try. It seems like it's inevitable. Uh, like they, they guys, are. They are going to force those guys this are in. more out of control than the baseball players. I would imagine. I mean, literally, there's no such thing as social distancing on the offensive line. Like, here's what the, here's what the NFL's got to do, and here's my plan for the NFL that'll never happen. I want three bubbles no four bubbles we need four regional bubbles east east north south and west the two east teams the two east uh, divisions they play each other twice like everyone plays everyone in uh, twice same thing all four and then you have a playoff bubble and that's the only way you're gonna be able to do it so it's just the nfc and AFC east against each other and then yeah so we would play giants cowboys Redskin or I'm sorry, Washington football team, <laughs> Bills, Jets, uh, Pats, and uh, Bill, uh, whatever other team is. I'd is sign up here. for that because I think like 12 Pats already have COVID. So Miami, yes, thank you. Chuck. So they're going to come in. You can't get away from fucking light. Miami. I know. You can't shake <laughs> <laughs> and I believe we we still call them the Florida Marlins. By the way, on this show, yeah, we definitely have. <laughs> we did. I... <laughs> I, and that one I never remember, man. I, I might get Arizona Coyotes, but I ne- or the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim that play in California or whatever the hell that one is. I never Miami get the Chargers Marlins. right. I never get the Charges right. They're always going to be in San Diego to me. <laughs> Miami, oh. Miami Marlins seems like I don't know. I, I would think the NFL is, even though there's probably the most money tied up in it. It's going to be the most difficult to execute. I... Just the yeah, nature of the game itself. You just, you physically have to tackle each other. I don't know how they're going to get through training camp. They just, they just can't. Like, it, unless you literally bubble up and everybody has been bubbled for months, it's, it's going to spread like wildfire. Let's put like a space helmet. <laughs> well, they have you seen? They've shown that they have these mechanisms where they're going to have basically the same technology that they use for those visors. They have basically ones that will cover the lower part of your mouth that have like a a, a filter system. As I'm like cutting my own microphone off, and then like a, a drop cloth that will drop underneath of your your helmet and be tucked into your jersey. Um, that's like NFL logoed. Um, or, you know, your team logo. So you're basically wearing, like, your own suit. But, hey, like, mid-September, it's hot as fuck in a lot of these places. Are you going to want to be in this sort of, like, get up and try and, and, and play uh, at 100%? I don't know I how don't it's going to work. I mean, the winter time, people are starting to get sick more anyway. I don't know. It's really... Yeah, and I, I, think it was, I think it was you, Dave, or maybe it was Eugene who mentioned, like, how can the offensive line social distance? And then you just think of every, you know, every time the, the ball's hiked, it's like, all right, offense, defense, ram your faces together. I mean, Ugh. even a huddle, right? Even a huddle. Yeah. You have a quarterback. Everyone's leaned in to a quarterback who's screaming what the play uh, is going to be. I, I just, I don't know. 
They're going to try. Matt Stafford. Like, you got to check. I don't know. Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. And tonight we'll start with Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box? Okay. So in my penalty box, um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Bud, Bud Weiser, Bud Light. Uh, just the whole Bud family of beer products. I don't know if you guys caught this, but perhaps the most irritating commercial to me is their return to welcome back sports commercial. Um, it, it, it both uh, is so um, it's like an episode of leave it to beaver, uh, including, but like sort of warped into an episode of the walking dead all at the same time, because it's, it's, it's showing that, you know, we are all unable to go to sporting events. So it's just this commercial of shut-ins um, one after another doing, some of them are doing somewhat normal behavior. Other ones are doing definitely on the level of creepy behavior. Um, and all while singing sort of in a dissonant version of like, take me out to the ball game or, or welcome back sports with these weird lyrics. Um, first of all, uh, most of those people have probably uh, never had a bud in their life. Like, let's just put that out there. Like, there's just not that many people who, who are not in college and need to spend very little on beer uh, that are like, ooh, you know what I would need to have in my fridge? A bud. Um, and certainly not anyone that owns a piano that's in their living room. Um, <laughs> so uh, for that, for that bizarre take on advertising i would much rather have them just have recycled shots of spud mckenzie um or any other thing or just the beer being cold rather than showing folks uh doing strange wood carvings in their dark garage to support their teams so uh hey, budweiser I <laughs> what i i care um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so, Bud, uh, you need you need some time to rethink your marketing strategy uh, because i i don't want I don't want this apocalyptic vision of of my advertising. All right, the Budweiser family of beers, including Bud Dry, Bud Select, Bud Ice, Bud Light, and of course uh, Budvar, the original. Um, you are getting a two minute minor for making us wax nostalgic about agoraphobia and being shut in. Uh, COVID is not fancy or happy. All right, Dave. Dave, are you fancy or happy tonight? I am. I am happily fancy. <laughs> uh, look, what what are we doing with these one o'clock Sunday Sunday baseball games? I, I look. You got everyone's doing something. It's like you're on the beach. You're at the pool. You have stuff going on. You're doing a thing on Sunday. Why do we have to have these games all on at one o'clock? I got things to do. Why can't we push them a little later in the afternoon? Four o'clock. One o'clock is too. Any, I know no one's at the games now, but one o'clock is too hot. It's too hot to go to a baseball game at one o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of the summer. Who are these people buying the Sunday packages? 
uh, for a baseball game. It's like you're like you have to be some kind of a masochist or something to 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 want to go sit out in the blazing sun every afternoon for three hours in a hundred degree heat with you know a dew point of seventy seven or something. <laughs> the humidity is like off the charts. Just have these games a little later in the afternoon. You know, you're settling in. It's like, hey, let's go back. I got, I'm going to make dinner now. We'll, you know, we'll put the baseball game on. I don't want to interrupt everything in the middle of the day to put on a one o'clock baseball game. It's, it's too hot. And they're wearing long pants. It's like the summer. It's too hot one o'clock in the afternoon. So let's put, I, I don't want them late, but not so early as one o'clock. All right, Major League Baseball and baseball in general, uh, you are getting a two-minute penalty for not delaying your game. It's hot. It's humid. Dave hates the summer, and so do we. Get, give us a break. Let's get to late afternoon, shall we? Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Oh, thank you, Dave. And, you know, I bring up my family a lot on the show, and I brought up my kids, I think, earlier today. My kids are featured in the Flyers promo. That makes me very happy, uh, very proud dad uh, that they are featured just in a little bit of the, the Flyers playoff promo. Um, what doesn't make me happy is some of the perils of parenting. So today my daughter is going in the penalty box. And the reason she's going in the penalty box is for being 95% potty trained. And if you're a parent, you know that last 5% is key. Because if it's not 100%, it's really zero, man. Like, you can go all day. You can do everything right. But one, oops, I have to go to the potty after they already started, just can really ruin your day. So, my dear daughter, I love you so much you and your brother are the light of my life but for the love of god close the deal and get to the potty you're getting a 10 minute game misconduct for shitting your pants to start the day All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with uh, a full recap of Phillies action, Sixers, Flyers. We'll see how the uh, the union, if the union can get in the finals. Um, so uh, until then, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Podadelphia. Also, if you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the whip around for all the week's weird news. Uh, so until next Monday, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.